WBCA Radio is proud to present City Talk, where fascinating conversation is alive and well, with your host, Boston Radio veteran, Ken Meyer. Hello, everyone. My name is Ken Meyer. Welcome to City Talk. And it's a pleasure to be with a lady whose voice I'm sure you will recognize, probably one of the most recognizable voices in the city of Boston. And she is as nice a lady as she is a great broadcast talent. And I'm referring to Diane Stern, news lady from WBZ Radio. Diane, it's it's great to be able to sit down and talk to you. I've always wanted to do this, and now we got the chance. After all these years. After all these years, that's right. And I, we were we were saying off air that uh, you attended uh, my wedding. Yeah. Uh, my gosh, thirty seven years ago, and our relationship dates before that. Oh, absolutely, before so. that, way back in the seventies. <laughs> right. But I used to listen to you uh-huh. uh, before I knew you. When I listened to you, you were on WEEI, we can say call letters now, mm-hmm. and you were on in the morning mm-hmm. with a very wonderful man named Bill Lawrence. Yes. But you didn't start there. Are you from Massachusetts? Oh, I certainly am. And many, 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 many generations <laughs> before that were, you know, sort of the Mayflower folks. But uh, yeah, I lived in uh, Marblehead. That's where I went to high school. Mm-hmm. And then I went off to a variety of different colleges, but uh, finally got my degree at Boston University. And then I took a correspondence school, and then I wound up on the radio. And uh, the first station was WMLO in Danvers, Massachusetts. Oh, my gosh. Well, I don't, I don't know if our lives are parallel in this regard, but I was always fascinated with a microphone and always fascinated with radio. As a child? As a child. Okay. Yep. Uh, my parents gave me a tape recorder when I was 10 years old, <laughs> and, and I used to make up radio programs and pretend I was a disc jockey and play records and, you know, go back and listen to it and think that, boy, I'd like to do this for a living someday. (laughs) Now, did did you, were you like that, yes. or was it just happenstance? Actually, I was. My father, and this is back in the fifties. We're talking ancient history. Yeah, would uh, record everything in sight. He had a sixteen millimeter movie camera, mm-hmm. so he would take you know take photos. He would take movies. And he also had an old Wallensack reel-to-reel uh, tape recorder. And three guesses who would pick up the mic and say, this is Diane Stern for NBC Radio. <laughs> <laughs> I found those tapes the other day. It was really entertaining. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> now, when you gave your Hall of I should add that Diane, as am I, a member of the Mass Broadcasters Hall of Fame, and when you gave your induction speech... You talked about uh, a a lady whom I do remember, actually, Rita Sands from CBS Radio. She was my idol. Uh, While I was at WEI, I would listen to her, Rita Sands, CBS News, Mm -hmm. New York. She had the warmth. She had the uh, credibility. She had uh, the gravitas. She was wonderful. And I was fortunate to have her as you know, sort of a mentor. She didn't know this. Right. But just listening to her just gave me so many tips on how to do it. I enjoyed a lot of people. at CBS, I think at that time, was the premier uh, network. Oh, yes. And and I enjoyed people like you, but I enjoyed people like Walter Cronkite, Christopher Glenn. Oh, yes. Now, there's a name. Remember that name? Of course. He used to do all the space flights, as I recall. I, isn't he still on the air, Ken? I don't know. 
but uh, I, I used to listen to him, I, and, and I'll throw other names at you, uh, from ABC. I used to listen to Art Van Horn. He was on the air the, uh, when John Glenn uh, went up in 1962, and he covered that. How about this name? Greg Jarrett. Yeah, yes, I remember that name, yes. He, he was ABC, I believe, and now he works on Bloomberg News. There were some great names even with uh, before we got there and after we got there. Westinghouse like Rod McLeish sure. and Eric Engberg. Mm-hmm. Remember him? Of course. Great, great names and great people. What what made you go from Boston University to WMLO? Did they contact you or did you contact them? How did that work? Well, uh, I was a German language and literature major. And unless I wanted to teach it, I really didn't know what else I could do with it. <laughs> I speak German now, but it's it's barely proficient. <laughs> so uh, I think I tutored or something for a little while. Uh, you know, I was always interested in broadcasting, uh, like you. You know, mm-hmm. sitting there in our uh, our grade school years, uh, playing with a microphone. Yep. But a woman who was taking me home from Marblehead High School one day, this was the mother of one of my friends, uh, happened to hear me uh, talking. And she said, you know, Diane, you have a great radio voice. And I'd never thought about actually going on the radio. And so I guess it sort of, you know, festered in my mind. And eventually I signed up for a correspondence course. I don't know if they offer it anymore. The Columbia School of Broadcasting. Ah, yes. And would send tapes back and forth to the DJs who actually worked for this, you know, for this school. So um, I would get critiques back and forth, and they were, you know, pretty positive. And so I went out looking for a radio job now that I had this on my resume. (laughs) uh, And I got a job in sales at WMLO, which was difficult because no one had ever heard of the call letters. And no one could pick up the signal because it was uh, it was a 500-watt daytimer. And so there were very few people listening. So imagine what a hard sell that was going into a, oh. a car dealership. Yep. Well, I'm selling radio time for WMLO and just get a blank stare. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, eventually I did sell uh, radio time or air time. And I would write the commercials. And they told me to voice them, which uh-huh. I did. And then I graduated to sort of rip and read news, you know, the old teletype yep. machines. I mm-hmm. ripped that off and I would read that. You know, there was no real knowledge of news. It was definitely on-the-job training. And one of the few people who could pick up this radio station, Paul Kelly, uh, yes, happened to be the general manager at WMEX uh, all those many years ago and offered me a job at this Boston radio station, and I was over the moon. You can imagine. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So you never know who's listening. You never, never never do. And, of course, Bill Lawrence was working at WMEX at the time. Mm -hmm. And then Mel Miller at WEI happened to hear the two of us and decided, oh, they'd make a good team for our morning show. And that's where I landed next. Oh, wow. So it's just people hearing you on the air. I guess so. And to take that uh, analogy a little further, my <clears throat> husband used to listen to me on my on the air. Mm-hmm. This is before he was my husband, of course. But he would listen to the uh, – I had little inserts uh, during the Red Sox games, you know, little commercial right. breaks. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, so he used to listen to me there, and he said he fell in love with me on the air. <laughs> How do you like that for a romantic story? Well, 37 years later, we're still married. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, that's, that's interesting because you never know who's listening because I was friendly with the entertainment director at Hershey Park in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And he called me and said, would you like to interview Rosemary Clooney? And I said, sure, I'd oh, love my. to. So we got on the air, and she's and she said, "You know, I listen to you every week." And I said, ah, "Really?" And she said, "Yeah, I think you're better than Larry Glick." Oh my goodness! And 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 I said, "You're kidding?" And she said, "No, I I have a home here in Maysville, Kentucky, and I'm up, you know, restoring furniture and doing a lot of painting over the weekend. And I listen to BZ, and I listen to you, and I think you're marvelous." Oh. Well, needless to say, when she appeared at South Shore Music Circus a few months later, guess who happened to be in the audience? Yes, and probably <laughs> the front row. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> a lot of Rosemary Clooney got played around my apartment after that. I'm sure. So you never, never know who's you, listening. You really, really don't. And, uh, it, and and I think we make much more of an impact on people than we realize. And, and I said this during the speech at the Mass Broadcasters Hall of Fame that I think people, after a certain amount of time, time, and and if we're blessed, we're on the radio for decades, right? As uh, you know, you were, and and I was also. I am retired, and th the impact that we make, I think we become almost family members, uh, and certainly friends to loyal listeners. And they're sad when we go away, whether we retire or go to another station, and it, it's it's always kind of. Um, and jarring or surprising to learn how much of an impact we actually have on people. We're a part of their days. We really are. I mean, whether we're in the bathroom with them in the morning or we're around the kitchen table or we're out in the garden with them or certainly in the car with them. I mean, we're sort of a constant presence. And there are loads of stories about that. I remember one night after a Monday night Patriots game, I was on the air. And I played an interview that I had done with Joe Garagiola. And somebody called me later on and he said, you know what? He said, that's the best traffic jam I was ever in in my entire life. Because <laughs> he loved the interview with Joe Garagiola. Of course, it made it speed by. <laughs> but then I, I met a gentleman one night. I was at a Special Olympics event mm -hmm. at Boston Garden. And a gentleman came up to me and he said, are you Ken Meyer? And I said, yes. And he said, I just want you to know... My wife listened to you on Saturday nights, and he said you you kept her alive, and and she enjoyed the last years of her life listening to you. He said she was on oxygen all the time, but oh, he, she, he said I'd get up on Sunday morning, and she and my wife would always say, "Do you know what Kenny did last night?" Oh. <laughs> and and all this, and and it, that made me realize what an impact we have. Yes, because of course we don't see <clears throat> these people. We're, uh, we're, we're in a tiny little studio with microphones and buttons and, you know, uh, just, just maybe someone in master control. So, so there's no real awareness that they're out there unless they're calling in. Certainly with the news, I mean, you don't get a sense that there's anybody out there, but <laughs> there certainly are lots of folks. How long were you at EEI? I was at EEI, I think, about five years maybe. And you were on in the you were on in the morning. I was on in the morning, but then um, new management came in and they pulled me off the morning and they put me on weekends. 
you know, a lot of things are, are sort of whims of management. <laughs> and I'm you, familiar with that. Well, you have no control over it, and either they like you or they don't. And in this particular case, I, I guess they didn't like me. Fortunately, though, uh, Gary LaPierre at WBZ, ah, who is an icon. Absolutely. And another Hall of Famer. Yep. Uh, he decided he wanted to try something new that is a talk show at night. So they had to find somebody to do the mornings. So they hired me. Aha. And I was on the air with Ted Larson, and we had sort of oh, a you know, tag team type thing in the morning. Yep. And then when Gary came back to the morning, because he decided he didn't want to do you know, talk show, then I became sort of, well, I was under contract, so they had to do something with me. <laughs> so they had me do uh, sort of little side reports. Um, Gary would introduce me, and I'd do a little report on something that had happened overnight. Mm -hmm. And then I just, you know, had different shifts and uh, eventually wound up on the afternoon, which is what I had been doing for many years mm -hmm. with a, a number of different hosts. There was Anthony Silva uh, and Jeff Brown. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so... Uh, I miss the camaraderie of the newsroom. I don't know if you do. Oh, I, absolutely. Yeah. There's no question. In fact, I was Gary's producer when he did the talk show at night. Oh, my goodness. So I'm, I'm certainly familiar with that scenario. Sure. And um, the one thing I'll say about Gary, we kept trying to get Kevin White, who was the mayor at the time of Boston— and every time we'd try, we couldn't get him. He would bow out or he had this to do or whatever. Or his hmm. press secretary would call and say, you know, the mayor does want to do it, but. Huh. And Gary's first guest, Kevin White. I couldn't believe it. Oh, my goodness. I could not believe it. <laughs> and and Gary, Gary is a journalist. Uh, and I don't think he'll mind my saying this. He's not really a talk show host, but he did a incredible job mm -hmm. as far as an I remember one night we had Gary Crosby Bing Crosby's son as a guest oh. and and Gary did a super interview but he had to read the whole book before he would do the interview he's like me he always would want to research as much as he could before he would do an interview he was not and I was not the Larry King type who would get a guest in the studio and sit him down and interview them without even looking at the book. Oh, dear. So Gary was good, and I kept telling him that and how good he was. But he said, you know, I don't like it. I want to go back to news. Mm -hmm. And, of course, eventually he did. Even though it meant getting up at 3 in the morning. <laughs> exactly. I'm familiar with going to bed at 3 in the morning. All right. Or even later, but I've never had to work getting up at 3 in the morning. How early did you get up when you had to work at EEI? Well, at that point, I was living in Swampscott, which is... I don't know, about a half an hour away. Uh, I had to get up at um, at least by, I don't know, 3, 3.30, because you had to be there at 4. The show began at 5 a.m., mm -hmm. and, of course, you have to write and prepare. It was, it was early. And then, of course, on the weekends, you pretend that you have a normal schedule, and that <laughs> gets you all turned around. Yeah, I know all about that. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's, um, you know, I mean, there's uh, the, the prestige of the morning you really can't top. But those hours are a killer. Uh, if you are recognizing this voice, you better. If not, you should. It is Diane Stern, former news anchor from WBZ Radio, is our guest here at uh, WBCA-FM uh, and City Talk, the name of the program. In those 34 years, 
What are some of the things at BZ that you remember? Well, I remember the switch from typewriters to, <laughs> to <laughs> yeah. computers yeah. and how sad it was to see <clears throat> grown people, men and women, crying because they were so frustrated. I think we were thrown into the den a little bit too early. It was really frustrating and a huge, huge challenge to go on the air with these systems that you weren't totally up to speed with. That was really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of the negative. But the positive, you know, I've interviewed uh, presidents, presidential uh, candidates. I was going to ask you about that. Oh, yes. I had a uh, – it was supposed to be a five-minute interview, but it turned out to be eight minutes with Bill Clinton uh, when he was president. He was sitting in the White House, and I could just picture him because I, I, I think he was drinking a soda or something out of a straw because mm-hmm. I, I think I heard a little slurping. So that was interesting. And, of course, we crafted all of the questions we wanted to ask him beforehand. And uh, listening to the tape now, it's actually available online. I'm really struck by how brusque I was with him Mm. Uh, because, of course, he was kind of a, you know, kind of a talker and a, you know, a marvelous campaigner. I mean, a people person. But I said something like, well, if we could just get to the questions. <laughs> it sounded yeah. so rude. Yeah, let's let's speed this up a little, Bill. Well, yeah, the president of the United States and this little nobody from Boston is telling him to, come on, let's get to it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I, uh, I, by phone also, I interviewed Barack Obama before mm-hmm. he became president. And I interviewed him twice. And I remember uh, one of the times we were just talking about what he was having for Thanksgiving dinner in Chicago, <laughs> you know. So, uh, yeah, that was that was a thrill. And then more recently, I spoke with uh, Bernie Sanders a couple of times uh, before the primary, of course. And, uh, yeah, of course, the rest of that whole thing is history. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and, and I spoke with Hillary Clinton also. Um, this was in, I believe, it was 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was when we would all go up to New Hampshire for primary coverage, and that was a thrill. Seeing some of these people, she was also a phone interview. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you remember this, Ken, but there was a big deal made out of the fact that in New Hampshire, when she was on the stump, she actually cried over something. And I, it was a story from a, you know a, a woman who was a follower of hers, but she cried. She was so touched. Oh. And so I asked her about that, and she was, you know, she seemed pretty genuine about it. I think a lot of people thought it was put on, but I thought she was genuine. The one person I remember crying and I was really surprised, and here's a name for you, was Geraldine Ferraro. Ah, okay. When she, uh, I don't know if it was Walter after Mondale. She, yes, very that was good. Her running mate, yeah. Right after they they lost, I think she she just cried. Yeah. And and I I never that that struck me. I always remember that. And then of course Ed Meese. That's yes. ancient history, but yeah. I well think of it this way: the grueling schedule of a campaigner, months and months, day after day, horrible food, traveling, you know, it, it must be, it, I mean, if you choose to run for any office, I mean, you have to think about that part of it, which is totally unglamorous. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how they could, I try and picture myself keeping that kind of schedule. <laughs> and I just, I, I just couldn't do it. I know. I just couldn't do it. Now, there are certain events and dates which we all remember where we are and what we were doing. Mm -hmm. I'll start with the Challenger explosion. Yes, I remember I was driving to work. So this this must have been late morning. I was driving to work. This is when my uh, shift had scheduled to uh, the afternoon. And I remember Ted Larson 
was announcing this, uh, and I was just going over the uh, the Mystic Bridge, and I just remember just shaking my head in disbelief, and then knowing that you know about an hour or two later I would be talking about this tragic event. That was amazing. I I think it just kind of blew everybody away. They just never thought there would be something that catastrophic that would happen to NASA and, you know, by extension, of course, the American people. And, yeah, that was really something. Yep. I was in Spalding Hospital oh. at the time. And I remember I was doing uh, the Radio Classics program on WEEI, mm -hmm. and they called me and said, you're you're because I, I, I did it from the hospital. That was kind of neat, being in bed and doing a radio show. And they called me and said, your program's canceled for tonight, and I, I thoroughly understand. Mm -hmm. And the other date I'm going to throw at you is September 11th, 2001. Oh, yeah, that was amazing. Um, I was at home, and uh, we had just had a piano delivered to the house, This a, a piano we had that we just had refurbished. Mm -hmm. And the movers... I uh, came in and said, are you listening to the radio or are you watching TV? And I said, no, and went in and turned on the Today Show, and it was all there and, you know, living color. Uh, and then knowing that I would have to, you know, once again during the afternoon have to talk about this, I have a huge regret on a personal note. Uh, I stayed late at the station for coverage that day. I think everybody did. Mm-hmm. When I went home, our then, I guess, 13-year-old daughter was sitting in front of the television set crying, and I thought, why was I staying at the station? I should have been at home with my daughter, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, so things like that really stick in your mind. How about you? What were you? I remember that day because they let us, they let us out of work early and told us to go home. Mm. And I remember getting on the tee and being struck by the fact that Nobody was on the train. Oh. I was in a car all by myself. Now, this was from City Hall in this Boston, This was from correct? City Hall, yes. Mm -hmm. And I remember going home, and and after a while, I kept thinking, I've, I've got to get away from this. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been, I've been hearing about it all morning. I've been watching it on television. I have to get away from it. So I'm going to turn on some music. So I put on, believe it or not, 106.7, where our mutual friend Gay Vernon was working. Yes. And they were broadcasting the audio from ABC TV. So I, ju I just couldn't get away from it. So no. I just had to resign myself to the fact that, you know, this is, this is a big story and it's overwhelming and I'm, I've just got to, you know, bear with it and, and live with it. And then, of course, locally, uh, the Boston Marathon bombings. Ah, yes. Which, uh, in, in my case, uh, I, I went on the air as it was just breaking, and we just didn't know what was going on. So uh, we had the, the sketchiest of details. Uh, and then, ironically, when my shift started, uh, you know, a year or so later, uh, that was when the jury came in with the verdict for Johar Zarnayev. So ah. I, it, it was kind of bookends of this horrible chapter. So, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was very challenging, and I, th I think one of the most challenging things was to keep a calm demeanor uh, and to make sure that what you were talking about was actual fact or as close as you could get to a fact because, again, all of the, uh, the details were developing moment by moment. 
Was it was it hard for you just to sit there and read the things that they handed you? Wouldn't you like to have been doing a talk show at the time? No, I never had the desire to do a really? talk show, unlike you, Ken. No kidding. <laughs> wow. Never, never had the desire. I I think I <laughs> I think I'd be afraid of, of people not calling in. <laughs> what do I say for the next four hours? <laughs> oh, there were people that were masters at it, however, when uh, they weren't getting calls. Absolutely. They would go on and on. And, uh, well, they were prepared, too. But, no, that, that's something I didn't want to do. Originally, I wanted to be a DJ. Uh, <laughs> no, I never wanted to be a DJ. Uh-huh. I wanted to do sports like Howard Cosell did. <laughs> But I I never dreamed that I would I, – well, I never thought I would be at WBZ and meet the people that I have. I was just telling a gentleman who drove me to work this morning uh-huh. or in here this morning. I said, I never in my life ever thought that I would sit down in a studio and be able to interview a Kurt Gowdy. Oh, sure. Uh, mm. or, or a Dick Clark. Uh, for example, and and have people open the door of the studio and say, that's Dick Clark. Do you want to take a picture? (laughs) And I'm sitting there saying, well, Dick, tell me about Chubby Checker. (laughs) All this is is going on in the background. Sure. But you know what has amazed me, uh, and I'm sure you as well, too, is the communication improvement that has occurred over the years. Oh, my goodness. And, and, And the control that um, that broadcasters have. It, it used to be all sort of centered on master control and so forth, but uh, the technology is just so different. Everything's digital now. Uh, I remember editing reel-to-reel magnetic tape. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, and, and, and when we didn't have the, the type of um, adhesive that you're supposed to use on magnetic tape. Ah, uh, the splicing tape. Yeah, yeah we would just use... Um, Scotch just tape. Scotch tape. Yep. Well, if, if you want to see how far communications has come, watch someday the coverage of the Kennedy assassination oh, in yes. 1963. Oh, my goodness. When they, when they had – and I played this for him. I had a chance at Roy McNeil uh, of NBC News. They made such a big deal out of getting him on the phone in a telephone booth. Wow. And now, you know, that's that's – Forget that. It's, now you can talk to somebody in London, England, and in America and do a split screen, and it's like studio quality. Right, and, and not to mention smartphones. Um, occasionally, oh. occasionally I'll do uh, uh, commercials, and sometimes if I'm tracking a video or something, I will just do – I'll just talk into my iPhone, and then I'll send it by email to whoever is, is doing the editing. It's just amazing what we can do on those little – you know, rectangular things. Uh, I'm familiar with it very well. <laughs> I love it. During sports, I can listen to a station in Los Angeles just as clear as I can listen to one in Boston. I know. And it's better, I think, when you have more control over it yourself. Do you listen to other news stations in other cities? I do. If if I'm on the road, uh, if I'm traveling, yes. Uh, our daughter's in New York, so mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll tune into WANS, WCBS. Mm-hmm. Many times for the traffic, but uh, yeah, you know, WBZ, as you know, is heard in 38 states after dark. So yep. it's you know, a lot of these stations are not as much of a powerhouse as WBZ. Right. Now, obvious question: mm-hmm. We have two sports stations in the city of Boston. We have one news station in the city of Boston. Can Boston have two news stations on the radio? 
Do you mean AM stations? Yes. Okay, because remember, we have WGBH and we have and WBUR. WBUR. Right. Now, regular commercial AM stations. Gee, I don't know. I mean, we've sort of been reduced to one. There used to be several. There used to be WHDH. Yep. Um, MEX used to do news. Uh, WRKO. RKO, certainly. So there e used to be a lot of them. EI, and now it's pretty much WBZ, and then the FM stations. I don't know. That's a good question. I think it's kind of sad that, that we used to have all those radio stations doing mm -hmm. news, and now you only have one radio station doing it. Yeah. I, I don't know what that says about the market. Well, uh, and then, of course, uh, more recently, people are getting their news on their phones, uh, yep. And they're not necessarily listening to a radio station on their phones. They're just, you know, seeing headlines. They're going to a, a, a station website or just the AP website, Politico. There are just so many sources of news that I think people in some cases are turning away from radio. And I think that's sad. I used to remember when television had an hour newscast <laughs> at 6 o'clock. Mm -hmm. And then you would have the... Network news at seven. Mm -hmm. Now it's entirely different. Do you like that? Uh, well, there's there's certainly more opportunity to see the news, but then of course there's a lot of repetition. You'll see the same piece that you did at. Uh, well, some of the stations have news at four mm -hmm. or five, uh, and you'll see it slightly repackaged. But there's you know if if you're going to stick with it the the whole time, you're going to see a lot of repetition. Yep. But I can say the same thing about WBZ. That's true. These things do get recycled. Uh, you know, we and what we were trained to do and hopefully did well and still do well um, for my, my former colleagues is to refresh stories and at least change the lead or maybe use a different soundbite mm -hmm. uh, to make it so it isn't exactly what you heard two hours ago because that's the cycle, two hours. Ah, okay. I never knew that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's every, every – is there anything that you haven't done that you would have liked to have done in, in news? Oh, in news. Or anything as far as radio is concerned. Well, I would have liked to have been a florist. Oh, okay. Well, that, all right. Well, hey, I never heard of one of those in radio before, but – But you know it's an avocation. Yeah. I, I do floral bouquets for, for friends. I do it for our local garden club. And so that's that's really my bliss is the garden. Mm -hmm. So I, so I can do that without, you know, making money from it. Um, no, I have a lot of interests. I the travel. My husband and I are going to Asia next week. And so it's uh, – you know, I, I I do have to recommend retirement. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's great. I'm having a ball. Yes, isn't it wonderful? I it's mean, just absolutely. just the freedom. Uh, but again, you and I both miss the the newsroom camaraderie, and I know that we we socialize with friends individually. Right. But it's just not the same. No, it's not. And I have told people this: there is a special camaraderie and a special bond with radio and television people that you don't find anywhere else. Yes, and I think part of that is the types of stories you cover. Horrific stories, and then on the other hand, wonderful stories, heartwarming stories. And just being together for at least eight hours a day. Yep. Uh, you know, you, you oftentimes uh, see your co-anchor hours more than you see your husband, <laughs> which was the case with me for years. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, that I do miss. But is there anyone, like, for example, somebody asked me once, if I had a choice, 
who I wanted to interview, and I, I gave them two names, and I said, yep, Johnny Carson and David Hartman, the former host of Good Morning America. Oh, Was yeah. there anyone, anyone that you would have liked to have said, boy, I interviewed her, I'd love to have interviewed no, not really, because I, I did have the opportunity to interview some really big names, and not just from the world of politics, but I did, um, I interviewed Dan Rather. Ah. I've uh, interviewed uh, Gladys Knight. Oh. And, you know, not with the pips, but just Gladys mm -hmm. Knight, um, yep. Alec Baldwin, who, who was the commencement speaker for my daughter's graduation at NYU. And this was, you know, years later, but <laughs> it was just kind of funny as an aside. Mm -hmm. No, you know, I, I, not really. I, I was quite satisfied with the, with a variety of uh, people that I was lucky enough to interview. Do you sit back now and wonder, with all the things going on with our current president, about fake news and all these stories that are emerging? It's, uh, I just think it's so sad, the division that we see. You know, families are divided. Somebody voted for Trump and someone voted for someone else. Uh, you know, I've seen it firsthand, and it's very, very sad. And fake news is, depending on which side you're on, and it's sad to, to think that there are two sides. Uh, you know, depending on which side you're on, I mean, it, it depends on where you get your... Your, your source of news, mm -hmm. if you're a Fox News listener or if you're a MSNBC listener, uh, you know, you just have a different point of view. Uh, and what you think is fake news, someone else will say, no, that's that's true. All the all these stories that are coming out now, like with Bill O'Reilly and and uh, different <sighs> swimming coaches, Terrible. Uh, uh, news as I can remember, it never used to be that way. I never used to hear stories like that. No, because it, it sadly was an acceptable type of behavior. And I think that women were really afraid of losing their jobs. I mean, I had a, I had a few instances myself. They weren't egregious, but to the point where I felt uncomfortable. But I didn't, I didn't speak up because I thought, you know, this was sort of the way it was. Uh, but I know... You know, certainly some women have had some horrific experiences. And, uh, you know, the, ho the whole Harvey Weinstein thing, I think, kind of opened it up. And people, uh, women uh, mostly, are emboldened to relate their experiences. And, you know, we'll see what the Roy Moore story, you know, turns oh, out to yeah. be. But, uh, you know, I, but people in Alabama, they love that guy. Yeah, yeah, they do. I'm not everyone, but not everybody, but there are a lot of people who do. Yeah, but well, I, I enjoyed having you here. Uh, is there anything before we wrap it up and call it a wrap, as they say? Is, we'll there, is there anything you would like to say to the radio audience? Well, personally? how honored I am to be your first guest on this radio program, and how much. Ken Meyer's friendship has meant to me over the years. And keep listening to this show. <laughs> <laughs> keep it right here on your radio dial. <laughs> well, I, I can say this. I can say the same thing. Uh, I have known you for over, well, let's say, around or about 1975. Mm -hmm. 
and that's that's forty that's forty years. Yeah, it's forty two. Unbelievable, and your voice hasn't changed at all. Oh, well, that's good, I guess. <laughs> and 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 I'm sure you have aged gracefully, or not at all, either way. Uh-huh. But you are as nice a person as you are a talent, as I had said in the beginning of this. And it's really been a pleasure to sit down and talk with you, and I will remember this. And I would like to thank all of my listeners through the years and keep listening to WBZ and, again, to Ken Meyer. Well, that does it. Thank you so much, Diane, and thank you for listening to this edition of City Talk. Thanks for listening to another great conversation with Ken Meyer and friends. You can contact Ken by email. The address is kjmeyer7 at gmail.com. That's K-J-M-E-Y-E-R-7 at gmail.com. Tune in next time for more conversation with Ken Meyer on City Talk.